0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Oak Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger for this week's message from Story Point Church. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4, will you? Today's Father's Day. In case you didn't know that, I hope you uh, hope you fathers get lots and lots of things other than ties. Um, does any did anybody get a tie today? Nobody. Did you got a, Of course you got a tie saga. That's a shock, surprise. Wow! Because you're the only one in this whole room that wears ties. I think that's you know Father's Day is one of those days where. Um, it, it, it was kind of hard to nail down the origins of it, to be honest. I read conflicting reports. So anywhere from 1908 to 1910 was the first official Father's Day. And then it was, or the first Father's Day that we know about. And then it was somewhere between 1966 and 1972 where it was made a, a national holiday. I, again, I read conflicting reports, but bottom line, there, there needed to be a day to celebrate fathers because there was a day to celebrate mothers but have you ever noticed um that for mother's day it's all ooey gooey you know sweet and sappy and for father's day it's a little more harsh you ever notice that so fathers come to father's day services alan may mention this this morning they come to father's day services with a little bit of, of fear and intimidation right what what is he going to nail me for today well here's the deal um, i think that that All of us, as fathers, are imperfect fathers. Amen? I think that that the truth is, all of us could say we've done some things well. And all of us could say we wish we could go back and do a redo. So my intention today is not to bash fathers. My intention today is to show you what the Bible says about being a father. Now, if you are a woman, you are not a father. Now, you could be a father figure to someone... In, in some ways, and I guess in some circumstances, but the reality is fathers is by definition a male who is looking after and teaching kids, right? Now, to be a father figure is, is a great honor, and some of us are doing that, um, but being a father of, of a child is probably the greatest privilege of a person's entire life. Wouldn't you agree? It is the greatest privilege, but it's also one of the scariest things ever. Because when my kids were born, they did not come with a manual. They didn't come with how-to's. They didn't come with what-to-do wins. So everything I know about being a father, I learned either from God's Word. And you say, well, you just said there's not a manual. No, what I meant was there's not a manual that was specific this, this doesn't give you the order of things all the time. It just kind of says, here's the, here's the stuff you do. But I was looking for more of a step one, step two, step three. It didn't come with that. So all I learned about being a father, apart from God's word, was through watching other fathers. First and foremost, my own. And as you watch other fathers, you realize, and the older you get as a father, you realize, you know... There really are no perfect fathers. So, today, if you're in this room and you did not have the perfect father, I don't know what the context of that statement might be in your life, but would you realize that you didn't have a perfect father and cut them some slack? Give them some grace? I think as we'll get into this text in just a moment, what we'll see is that the best fathers are fathers who had good fathers. The worst fathers are fathers who did not have fathers in their life to show them what being a father is all about. I think we'll see that. But give your father some slack, but also commit to being, if you're a dad, commit to being a better father no matter how good you currently are. Can we say that? Alright, let's go to the text. Proverbs chapter 4 says, listen sons to a father's discipline. And pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, don't forget or turn away from the words From my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom and she will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme so get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. She will place a garland of favor on your head. And she will give you a crown of beauty. So this is written by Solomon. Now, we know that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. We also know that Solomon was the richest man that ever lived. And I would say by far, if you compared Elon Musk or Bill Gates or whoever the wealthy person is now, if you compare their wealth to the wealth of Solomon, they would not be able to compare. Solomon was truly the, 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 the greatest And wisest man, I say greatest cautiously, that ever would live. And it's because he asked God for one thing. He asked God for one thing. We'll get to that in just a moment. But he's the one who's writing this. And here are his words. He says, first and foremost, listen, sons. Now, We need to be careful because fathers can have sons and daughters. And this is not just for sons. This is also for fathers. It's also for daughters. But the point of this is that there is a line of fathering that we need to understand and recognize. Good fathers often come from good fathers. Good fathers can come from not good fathers. But if a son has a good father, the chances are really high really good that he is going to become a good father. It is a generational blessing. On the other side, a bad father can oftentimes produce bad fathers. It is a generational curse. We see that all of the time. So if you want to be a good father, the best thing for you is to have a good father. If you didn't, the best thing for you is to find someone who is a good father and listen to them. That makes sense? So he says, listen, my son, or listen, sons, to a father's discipline. Now, nobody likes to hear this because nobody wants discipline. What is discipline? Well, discipline is the root word of what other word? Disciple. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is one who is learning how to do certain things. Basically, he's learning the specialty of his master or, or of the one who's discipling him. So Solomon says, listen, son, to a father's discipline. But he's saying that about himself. He's saying, listen, son, to my discipline. Nobody likes discipline because discipline is sometimes painful. Discipline sometimes shows warts. You know, warts are ugly. I've never seen somebody go, oh, what a beautiful wart. No, nobody does that, right? Warts are nasty. That's the way they are. But discipline is the means by which you become sanctified and holy, and a father's discipline in your life, in the godly context, is the way that God refines you and builds you and shapes you to be the man or the woman that you are designed to be. Now, it's it's sad because oftentimes we put mothers and fathers against each other. We, we, we talk about them as if they're two polar opposite things and almost conflicting. In fact, the scripture says it here. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother. You get the idea that what he's saying is my mother kind of nursed me and babied me. My father was a little harsher. Now, it may, may not be saying that exactly, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. Mothers and fathers are drastically different, though. They should be different. In a perfect world, a family has a mother and has a father. And each of them build into the life of the child. And one is not more important than the other. They're both necessary. But what we do know statistically is this. A fatherless child is more prone to almost every ill and evil of society than a child with a father who's present and active in their life. Statistically, a fatherless child is more likely to be incarcerated. They're more likely to live in poverty. They're more likely to live in abuse. They're more likely to have other issues. That's just a statistic. It's not a promise or a guarantee. But we know that the absence of fathers produces all kinds of problems in a child's life. And I think that that demonstrates that fathers are so important. And if you look at the history of fatherlessness in America, what you'll find is that fatherlessness is becoming more and more of a problem. So over in First Baptist, I said, how many of you guys were raised with a father in the home? Virtually everybody in there raised their hand. Almost everybody. Now, they're all going to be 70s and mostly anyway, 70s and 80s, right? If I were to ask that same question in here, how many of you were raised with a father who was active and present in your life? I would imagine that maybe half to three quarters would raise your hand. So I don't need to tell you that the absence of a father is a massive blow to a person growing up. You are definitely behind the eight ball if that's the case. You definitely have strikes against you, as if that's the case. I'm not saying in any way that's your fault. I'm saying that's something that was forced or thrust upon you. You didn't ask for, you didn't desire, you didn't deserve. Let's just get that real clear. You didn't cause it, but I can also say that God's grace, even in the midst of that, is able to be sufficient for you. And I can also say that that's one of the roles of the church, of the people of God, is to be a father to the what? Fatherless. As God's people, we of all people ought to be the ones who say, I will stand in the gap for those without an active father in their life. You know, it's Shannon always, well, I probably shouldn't say that, but Shannon always tells but I'm going to anyways. Well, I'm trying to, it's, it's all of my life I've attracted people uh, like neighbors, like, like they just come over to be you know, kids that just need some direction. Is it, I'm trying to say it nicely, right? And, and, and I think it's because there, there's such a desire for a father, especially in younger ages up through high school, middle school and high school, that they'll look for anybody that will pay attention to them. To be a good father, really? Just pay attention. Just actually care. Just demonstrate love. And if you do that, you will have kids follow you everywhere you go. And you know, the truth is, it's kind of a pain sometimes to have people always coming over expecting something from you. But, isn't that why God put us on this earth? To give what we need and what somebody else needs. Now, when I say a pain, what I'm talking about is sometimes I just want to sit in the backyard and do nothing and not answer questions. You know, everywhere we've lived, I've been Mr. Wilson, right? The old crotchety, ah, yeah. no, just kidding. I try not to be that. But what I'm realizing though is instead of that being a burden, that is a gift. So if you live somewhere and you have a kid on your block who is fatherless even if the father's home if the father is not there and that kid attaches himself to you look at him as a gift or her as a gift from God to be able to bless them and to be able to help them and do for them what they haven't found somewhere else so that was a little sidetrack side rabbit so he says listen sons to a father's discipline nobody wants discipline but the way that you Deal with discipline is to listen. And then the very next verse says, and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. So, in other words, discipline is not just to pick, discipline is not just to harm, discipline is not about putting you in tough situations so that you can be in tough situations. Discipline's root is what? It's love. If your father loves you, he will discipline you. The Bible says that God disciplines those whom he loves. Let me tell you something else about discipline. Discipline is awfully difficult to deal out. If you're a parent, you understand this completely. Because discipline is not just, it's not just there's a punishment for a crime. Discipline is not about punishment. Discipline is about teaching. This discipline is about helping your son or your daughter learn something so that they'll be safe and so that they'll be be able to not fall into those same pitfalls again. And the hardest discipline is when you know you don't want to, but you have to for the good of your child. How hard is that when you have to do something, even when it costs them and you something? But what I do know, even about my own father, is this. He made hard calls, and now I look and I say, Dad, you are a genius, right? I think I've read it multiple times this week. Fathers become brilliant the older their sons get. True? Stanley, is that true in your life? It's true. Why? Because we don't see the big picture when we're young, but the older we get, we realize maybe that wasn't the perfect way to do it but the motivation and the heart behind it was because I love you. That's why we need to give our father's grace. You know, I I had a really great father. I mean, we had a family that was intact. We had a family where mom and dad were married until my mom died. I think 39 years. You're, you're the timekeeper. I don't know, but it was 38, 39 years. And you know, there there was never hostility. I mean, there was there was some some always some issues, but but it, it was basically a very very uh, a good family, and yet my dad didn't do everything right. There are times that stick out in my mind where he could have done better. But there are also those things that he could could have done better that I look at and I go, so what would have I what would I have done in that situation? You know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. If your dad didn't do it all right, maybe he did the best with what he could at the time. And maybe he didn't have a father to teach him what to do, which is why he did the best that he could do at the time. If it sounds like I'm just giving him a pass, I'm simply speaking from experience saying, I had a really good role model as a father, and I still didn't do everything right. Imagine having to start from a nothing or eat not, not just to nothing, but imagine having to start from an abusive father figure. Or from, from a dysfunctional father. Imagine having to go from a minus 10 up into being a good, godly father. That is a long, long distance, folks. But here's what I know. I know in this room, that is some of y'all's reality. And I know some of you, though, have changed the tide of blessing and curses for your generational, for your family. You've done that. And because you've done that, you now get to sit and watch in the, from a distance all that God will do. I keep going back to that, but maybe that's somebody in this room that's really struggling with forgiving your father. Or maybe you're really struggling with why they didn't do this or why they didn't do that. Listen, only God's grace can help any of us survive fatherhood. And only, of, only God's grace, when I say any of us, meaning any of the children survive are being fathers... It is a tough, tough job. He says, listen. Nobody wants to listen, though, do they? Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us in the last days, children will be disobedient to their parents. What he's saying, what it's saying is this lack of listening. I know it all. I'm not going to listen because I despise the old. You're just old fashioned. You just don't know what you're talking about. You ever notice how the old despise the new oftentimes and the young despise the old? Have you ever noticed how they are pitted against each other so often? Can I just tell you that we need the old and we need the new. That's probably going to be next week's message, by the way. We need the old and we need the new because the old and the new are both biblical. They're both completely biblical. Listen to the old. It may not be the same methodology, but the heart behind it doesn't change. There are some foundational things in the old. You can forget about the how-to, but you've got to understand the why. And the why often doesn't change. That, that, by the way, is why we're doing this OG Pastor Virtual Summit here in just about three weeks. We have nine pastors who are going to sit right here. And each of them have been pastoring for 40 or 50 years. These are OGs, the original gangsters. Seriously, that's why it's OG. Now it's also old guys, it's also ordinary giants, old geezers, you can call it whatever you want. But these nine guys are going to sit right here and we're going to film them having a conversation of how they were able to be faithful pastors for the duration of their ministry without major scandal, without major conflict, and yet faithfully finish strong. It is going to be a giant gulf of wisdom and information from these over 450 years combined pastoring experience between the nine of them that is valuable for us right listen is what he says he says for i am giving you so solomon says listen for i'm giving you good instruction don't abandon my teaching now we go back to the good father bad father Every good father gives good instruction. But here's the thing. Even if you had a not so good father, you can still get good instruction from him. See, we tend to discard people or discount what people say because they do some things that are they they do. They have major offenses. And so we write them completely off. Right. Somebody that's our hero falls. And so we say everything they've ever said is a lie. And we totally write them off and put them put them away. But that is a huge mistake. You want to know why? Because the guy that was that, that, that was a man after God's own heart, David, nobody else in scripture is spoken of that way. David was a man after God's own heart. He had a major moral failure when he sinned with Bathsheba. So it would be foolish for us, for us to do that with people today. Write them off because of a moral failure or because of, of, of something that they did that offends us or whatever. It would be the same as us taking Psalms and just ripping them out of the Bible. Taking portions of the New Testament, taking portions of the Old Testament. Why? Because a failure in life doesn't discount everything they've ever done in their life. It really just says, hey, they were human and they put their eyes on the wrong thing. At a certain time. He says. For I am giving you good instruction. And he is giving good instruction. But what I have discovered is. Even bad instruction can be good instruction. When we look. When we learn what not to do. From what they did. Right? In fact. I am a better pastor. I think anyways. Because I have served in some churches. Early in ministry. Where there was not a good example of pastoring. I experienced some things that I said, you know what, I'm never going to do that or I'm going to do. So that was bad instruction, but it was really good instruction because it showed me what it's like to be on the other side. Right. So even a not so good father can be a good father in that way. I know it's crazy to say that, but how many things do you do now because you saw your father do it and you say, you know what, I'm going to be absolutely different than that. Anybody? You learn what not to do. Sometimes in the heart, that's not the ideal way, but that's one of the things we can do. He says, don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me. So fathering produces fathers or fathers produce fathers, right? Here's what he taught me. Your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. This is the first of three benefits of listening to the most important things a father can teach you i'm gonna give you those three things that a father can teach you and then i'm gonna tell you the three things that you have a benefit from okay the three things that a father teaches you is this he teaches you knowledge he teaches you understanding and he teaches you wisdom that's your goal, that's your metric, that is your, 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 your ideal, that is your, your purpose as a father. To teach your child knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Now, in this passage, we only see the two, wisdom and understanding. But if you look throughout scripture, what you'll find is these three are oftentimes, or most often, linked together. That's because the three of them work together in unison to create ...a person who is healthy and happy and all those other things. So how do you differentiate between them? Knowledge is knowing information. It's knowing the facts. It's, it's knowing how things work. So let's talk about fishing, okay? So the knowledge of fishing is knowing that... ...if you're going to go fishing, you need a hook, you need bait... ...and you need to worry about the tides... ...and you need to know about the laws. and Just basic information, right? That's the knowledge... The longer you are a fisherman, the more knowledge you get. You learn new tactics and you learn new skills. Everybody needs knowledge. But knowledge alone will not make you a great fisherman, right? Knowledge is only the beginning. Understanding makes you a better fishing, fisherman. The understanding is how to use that knowledge. It's how to know what hook to use in what circumstance situation. It's knowing what bait to use when they're not biting or when the different fish are acting strange. It's knowing the, 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 uh, uh, the, the, the smaller, finer details of, of what that knowledge will tell you. But now wisdom is a whole nother level. Wisdom is taking the 50,000 foot view and wisdom is the ability to say, you know what? I'm not even going to go out to fish because I know from experience and from knowledge and from understanding that if I go out, I'm going to be in danger because the seas are not going to be what Noah says they're going to be today. Every fisherman says amen, right? So there's, a, there's this, this, this progression, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Now here's why this is important. A father's greatest teaching to his son or daughter It's not knowledge and it's not understanding. A father's most important teaching is wisdom. It's the ability to see through things and to see around things and to know what to do and when to do it and why to do it. It's the very fine detail of of, of situations and circumstances. It's the ability to say, you know what? Something's just not right here. I know that if I go that direction, it makes sense on paper, but that's not the right thing to do. So a father teaches wisdom. Why? Because wisdom is the greatest thing that you can find in all of life. I'm not talking about finding. I'm not talking about, you know, up against Jesus. I'm talking about in your search in life. People search for pleasure. People search for knowledge. People search for influence. Search for wisdom. The Bible says that wisdom is to be... Finding wisdom is greater than gold and silver. Why? Because if you find wisdom and if you apply understanding, which it has a root in knowledge, there are three promises or three things you'll get from that. The first one is in chapter 4. Get wisdom, get understanding. Oops, that's verse 5. He taught me and said, your heart must hold on to these words, keep my commands and... Live. So the first thing that you get from wisdom is life. Isn't that what we want? And, it, and it's not just the fact that I'm breathing. It's that I'm living life. Wisdom gives you the ability to truly live life to its fullest. Now, where is the, found, where is the foundation of wisdom found? It's in Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom so what we're seeing here is this we teach our sons and our daughters find wisdom pursue wisdom the way you find and pursue wisdom starts with your relationship with god because if you don't fear the lord now i'm not talking about i'm afraid he's going to do something you know he's big i'm small to fear the lord is to have a reverent respect to honor to understand his position He is our father. It's placing him, not placing him, but it's recognizing his position in our life. So we yield to him. When we do that, that is the beginning of all wisdom. And here's the best promise of all. In James, the Bible tells us this. If anyone lacks wisdom. So I I don't know what to do here. I know the information and I understand what's going on, but I don't know what to do. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but that's kind of like most of life, right? I, I see all the things here. I just don't know which thing I'm supposed to do. Should I go, ooh, what happened here? I just died. I mean, I didn't die. There, We got demons inside of our systems, man. Internet's working, sound system going crazy. Okay, so we, we, the hardest thing in life, it's like all of life, we're looking at going, I don't know what, do I go A? Do I go B? Do I go C? God says, if anyone is confused as to which door to go to, let him ask God and God will give him wisdom. That's a promise from God. And yet all the time we make decisions and God doesn't even cross our mind to ask him. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. If you ask God, nope, but I'm going to figure it out. Well, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean, don't rest, don't rely upon your own understanding. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him, fear the Lord, and he will do what? He will direct your path. In other words, go through A, go through B, go through C. So a father's job is to teach wisdom or to teach his son and his daughter how to find wisdom because the wisdom is what will allow you to live. That's the first thing. Second thing is found in verse six. It says, don't abandon wisdom and she will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you or she will protect you. So wisdom gives you life. Wisdom gives you protection. Going back to the boat illustration. If you're a newbie boater, you're just gonna go out and send it, right? Hey, let's just go. Noah says it's gonna be two foot. Nope, it's nine. But see, wisdom says I know it's gonna be that way because I can see the trees and I can see that it's coming from the east and I know that out of the east that tough is gonna be nasty and choppy so I'm not going at all. Wisdom protects you. By the way, that's why in First Peter we find that the scripture tells us to be sober-minded that's why there's warnings against overuse and major consumption of alcohol. Because when you, when you consume alcohol to that level, it brings your judgment down, which means you're not using wisdom, which means you are no longer protected by the protection mechanism, mechanism that God's placed inside of your heart. Does that make sense? That's why it's so dangerous. In fact, if you really want to look at the facts... A huge number of the ills of society go all the way back to some sort of substance or alcohol abuse. That is the foundation of a huge amount of calls that the police department, even in our own city, receive and have to respond to. You take that away, our society completely changes. Completely. Now, we could go down the spiral of say, well, why do people do that? There's a whole lot of different reasons for that. But the bottom line is, we're to be sober because good judgment does not come from a lack of sobriety. Did I say that right? When you lose control of your mind, you lose control of the wisdom that God placed in you as protection. So you have life, you have protection. Here's the third one. Cherish her and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. Verse 8. So life, protection, and honor. Life, protection, and honor. You know what? We do honor people who are wise. To to be honored, I think in this context, means that you're respected. You're admired. You're a person that people say, that's who I want to be like. Listen, fathers, if you have been given the gift of a child, you have been given the most important responsibility of your life. You can teach them all kinds of things. But if you don't teach them to pursue. And find wisdom. You have missed the boat. If you don't help them find and pursue understanding. You've missed the boat. Knowledge is good. Understanding is better. But wisdom is to be found and searched for above all else. And so how do you do this? Well, wisdom is both taught and caught. As a father, if you have children who are under your, uh, under your care, let me just offer a couple of practical things and then we're done, okay? First off, don't let it be easy for your kids. Don't give them everything that they want. Because what is free is not appreciated. You ever seen how somebody drives a rental car? Right? Rental cars get butchered. Matter of fact, I just drove in L.A. for this past week. Man, I was... Shannon had just closed her eyes and take a a Xanax and just try to... She didn't really, but she wanted to. I mean, there were, there were marks in the dashboard. But let me tell you, that is, a, that is a eat or be eaten world out there. If you've ever driven L.A., it's nuts. And we're not talking like rush hour. Like rush hour is 24 hours a day. It never stops. And boy, they gave me a minivan. They gave me a neon blue minivan at that. But that puppy in, in sport mode, it would go. I'm just saying. By the way, the difference between Shannon and I, when we get into the, the Sonata, the first thing she does is put it in eco mode. <laughs> first thing I do, put it in sport mode. <laughs> She's like, oh, we get, ga- we get better gas mileage. I don't want gas mileage. I want to go. So what was I saying? Oh, yeah. I can't remember. I just reminiscing. Yeah, but re- there's a reason I was saying driving in L.A. What was the whole point? Arn. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. I still don't remember what they were. <laughs> Just talk amongst yourself. I'll... Oh, yeah, yeah, rental car. That's where it was. Squirrel. <laughs> Squirrel. Hi, my name is Jeff. I do have ADHD. So make them earn it. Because when you earn it, you value it. True. Don't make it easy. The second thing I would say is this. Look for opportunities to teach. Not just the how, but the why. Encourage your kids to ask why. There was a phase in my life when all they did was ask why, so I went to the book of dad answers, and my answer, according to the book, was what? Because I said so. That actually is a good answer. Because let me tell you, the fear of the Lord begins with a fear of your earthly father. If you don't fear your earthly father and respect him as father, respecting God as your eternal father, as the heavenly father, is going to be much more difficult. So because I said so is sometimes a good answer, but that is not the best answer all the time. When they ask why, explain to them. And you're probably going to get, right? I mean, it's probably going to go like this. But one day, they will have a son of their own. And they will pick up their phone and they will call you and say, Dad, I'm sorry. I was an idiot. But now I understand. Right? It'll happen. I did that with my dad just this morning. He was in the congregation. I said, dad, I'm sorry. Again, I apologize all the time because now I'm dealing with what he had to deal with. But here's what I know. I'm not discouraged because I know that's part of raising a child. Amen. So give them the answers. Make them earn it. And then the last thing, make sure they know that you love them. And love is not giving them stuff. Love is being present. Love is being present, not just physically, but present like emotionally and spiritually and all those other things. The greatest job that you'll ever have is raising children. And again, we're talking to fathers here, but, but, but you know, mothers had Mother's Day. This is just for dads, right? But all of us have a father. We have an earthly father and we have a heavenly father. The truth is, there is nothing that I would not do to protect my children. In fact, one of the scariest times I can recall with my kids, there was a few of them, but one of the scariest times was just a, a year or two ago. I think it was last year, maybe. So we were in Colorado. We were elk hunting, and in the evening, we would, we would come off the mountain. and We'd go down to this little town called Pagosa Springs, and there was this this river that ran through the city and on the edge of the river, there were these hot springs that they would put, the locals would make these boulders and make it a place you could just get in and, and sit in the hot water. And after you've hiked for 10 hours or 10 miles a day, you go and you just let the water just just soothe your, your muscles. And this place in the town is actually called the, 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 the hippy dip, that's what they call it. And there's a reason for that. Uh, you could get high just sitting there, smelling everything else, but it was Colorado. Let me just clarify. People were doing stuff around us that that you understand, right? Okay. So we, we get into this hippie dip and we're we're just going, oh. I mean, it's feeling so good. The water's, I don't know, 100 something degrees. And Josh is sitting over here. He gets up and he walks over and he's standing there like this. And you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm literally laying in the water just kind of looking at him. He's just kind of zoning out. And then he starts falling forward. And, you know, the goofball does stuff like this all the time. He'll pretend like he's falling, then do a push-up, and will be like, Rrr! I mean, that's, that's kind of normal for him, right? So, so he, he starts falling, and I remember it was going in slow motion in my mind. I was thinking, uh, put your hands up. What are you doing? But what happened was he stood up too fast, and he passed out. And he fell face down on the edge of the rocks and it kind of came to a point and that point hit him right here. A little bit further, it would have knocked out his teeth. A little bit further, it could have killed him. And down further here, it could have broken a rib, but he hit right here on the sternum. And I remember this fear. Because, you know, what was going on? I I jumped up and I grabbed him and I rolled him out of the water, rolled him like this. And people around were just sitting there watching. And I remember saying, do something. They were just sitting there. My son was dead, I thought, right? But in that moment, it was this weird experience of going, what if? This was, it, then he came to and he's like, hey, what's going on? Like, does your chest hurt? Yeah, kind of does. Well, there's a reason for that. But in that moment, I can't explain. It was this, it was this recognition that nothing in life matters more than your children. And if you're a parent, you know, you would take their place 10 times out of 10 to protect them or to save them. And I tell you that story to tell you this. We have a father in heaven who did just that for us. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He sent His only Son, Jesus, to pay a horrible, gruesome price on a cross so that you and I could live because that's what a father's love will do. So this morning, I want to invite you, if you've never done it, to trust in Jesus. I want to invite you to yield to Him, to give your life to Him, let Him save you, It's not by your good works, it's not by your actions, it's by grace that you're saved through faith, regardless of all those other things. It's what God has already done for you. So will you close your eyes and bow your head? I wanna invite you now, if you've never trusted your life to Jesus, I just want you to to simply pray to him. Say, God, I know I know that I'm a sinner and I know that my sin separates me from you. But I know that you died on a cross. You took the punishment of my sin. So I would not have to pay for that in eternity. But you have already paid for that on the cross. I trust you. I believe that you are who you say you are. And I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. This morning, if you've trusted Christ, I want to invite you to make that public. This morning, if there's another decision in your life, maybe you've never followed through on believer's baptism. What are you waiting on? I mean, we have a baptistry. What are you waiting on? That's the first thing you should do after you're, after you're saved. This morning, if, if you need to make story point your church home, what are you waiting on? There's a card on your seat. You can just mark that down. Just go ahead and do it. There's another decision that God has called you to do. What are you waiting on? He's a good, good father. Let's stand together. Let's sing.